Today's show is brought to you by IBM. By the end of this podcast, nearly 10,000 new malware variants will have launched. Now AI can help protect your data from threats wherever it lives with IBM Security. Let's put smart to work. Learn more at ibm.com slash smart. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode, and you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is a show where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about consumer tech and the week's news. You can send us your questions on Twitter to the hashtag Too Embarrassed. We also have an email address, tooembarrassed at recode.net. Reminder, there are two R's and two S's in embarrassed in case you are unable to spell. Today, we're going to space, lost in space. Actually, it's a very good show on Netflix, uh, but we're going to talk about regular space and not being lost in it. I'm joined today by The Verge's science reporter, Lauren Grush, who covers SpaceX and everything else space-related for the fantastic website. She was also the host of a video series for The Verge last year called Spacecraft. Lauren, welcome to Too Embarrassed to Ask. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Well, we're going to talk many space things. We're taping this on Tuesday, April 17th, and SpaceX had originally planned a rocket launch for later today. What happened? Well, it was planned for Monday, um, and it's not really clear what happened. About two and a half hours before they were supposed to go up, we heard rumors that they were delaying, and then SpaceX said they were going to stand down to... uh, do some pre-flight checks, specifically over guidance, navigation, and control. So mm-hmm. the next date is Wednesday at 6.51 p.m. Right. And so talk, talk about why they delayed. This is this is common, right? This is a common thing. Oh, yeah. This happens all the time. You know, something pops up in their sensors or something, you know, a couple hours beforehand. And, you know, with this launch in particular and launches like it, they have basically what's known as an instantaneous launch window. So they Mm -hmm. really only had 30 seconds in order for them to launch at the right time and get to the right orbit that they need to go and make sure that they don't run into any other satellites on the way. So if you can't make that 30-second window, then you got to delay for until another time. And so it just seemed like something was going to push them beyond the 30 seconds. Yeah. Something was going to push them. But you do expect it to go, correct? Well... I don't want to say that because I could jinx yeah. it. <laughs> right, right, right. But, you know, jinxing is a very important science in the space reporting yes, of field. Course. Jinxing um, is critical. But, you know, the good thing about this one uh, is it's they're launching a satellite to go search for planets outside of our mm-hmm. solar system. And it's okay. going into an orbit around Earth. So they really can go, you know, they have a lot of backup launch dates from now till the 26th. They'll have to stand down for a bit if it doesn't go up then. But they have a bunch of opportunities. So explain this particular launch, and it's the latest in the series of rocket launches conducted by SpaceX. So talk about the goal of these launches. And some of them have been delivering things to space, but there are other things. So why don't we go through them? Yeah, so this one is special for SpaceX because it's their first kind of big science mission for NASA that doesn't revolve around um, launching an Earth observation satellite. They're launching mm-hmm. this t- the test mission, which is going to look for planets outside of our solar system, ranging from small, rocky worlds like Earth to gas giants like Jupiter. Um, And it's a really big mission for NASA that everyone's really excited about. Um, So this one's a big deal for SpaceX in that regard. But SpaceX has also been launching for NASA for, I think, 
at least six years now, they regularly send cargo to and from the International Space Station. Mm -hmm. So that's something that they've got really good at. Um, so this is like I long mean, haul trucking, essentially. Right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're the UPS service, you know, U for yeah, the, exactly. the, the space station. And then meanwhile, the other launches that they regularly do are launches of commercial communication satellites, you know, mm -hmm. to lower Earth orbit right. or to geosynchronous orbit, which is much higher up. Which they do for not just NASA, but others, many others. Well, yeah, those are specifically for commercial companies. Commercial, right. And then they've just recently, I guess recently isn't a couple of years ago, uh, they just recently got into the uh, national security payload market, right. which is where they launch satellites for the U.S. government. Uh, that's not NASA <laughs> unit for defense. And you might have heard about that when they launched a highly classified payload earlier this year called Zuma, which uh, disappeared. <laughs> and there's there was a bunch of hullabaloo over, you know, was it SpaceX's fault or did something else happen? Uh, recently turned out it was not SpaceX's fault. It was the contractor that built the satellite built a I faulty see. mechanism that did not deploy the satellite. But okay, so that's that's their bread and butter in a nutshell. And they've got other plans, but for now that's, you know. But that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Beyond payload, being payload, essentially delivery, which I think is just the, the bottom rung of the of this kind of thing. But this one is a science orange, which would, must interest Elon, I'm sure, this idea of doing science probes and things like that. Um. <laughs> Well, I think they like this one in particular because it's looking for planets and SpaceX right. is all about taking humans to other planets. So maybe in right. that regard, they like that one. But, you know, I think I think Elon and SpaceX sees these emissions as what they need to do in order to help fund their their ultimate goal, which is to build these this huge rocket that can take people into space and start you know, taking people to the moon or to Mars. To Mars. Yeah, I know. You know, I've interviewed Elon about this a number of times. He's obsessed yeah. with this constant idea of doing this. <laughs> but, but I mean, their business is essentially putting up things into space, correct? I mean, right now yeah. at this point. And how are they doing with that? I want to talk about the reliability of the rockets and everything else, but talk about the business. The business seems booming. Uh, for the longest time, SpaceX has always been claiming that they were going to up the frequency of their launches, and that never really panned out. But in the last year, I I, can't, I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but they've, I think it was close to 20 or was their number of their launches last year. Mm -hmm. And they're hoping to do even more than that this year. And that might not seem like a lot, but in terms of the rest of the commercial launch provider industry, that's a ton of rockets in a year. So they're finally making good on their promise of, of launching once every couple weeks. So they're not, it's not a steady cadence, but mm -hmm. when you average it out, it's getting there. Right, so when you talk about business booming, talk about business itself. So it's, it's looking for more funding. There's all kinds of things going on with it. Just There was a story just this week about their funding. What Talk about their business as a business like, in terms of making money. I mean, it would seem that this is a something that could make money That's a, that compared to a lot of their other... All I mean, difficult businesses that he runs, obviously. <laughs> You've also tapped into kind of one of the great mysteries of SpaceX, too. I mean, we 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 have a good idea of how they make their money. They're launching commercial satellites, and a lot of they get a lot of very nice contracts from NASA, uh, such as launching, you know, this upcoming satellite, or mm -hmm. um, they're also developing 
uh, technology to send astronauts to the space station, so not just cargo. Mm -hmm. So they have a lot of really nice contracts from NASA, too. And then, of course, they have their investments. Um, So that's, I think, that's their income. In terms of, you know, if they're profitable or if they're making a lot of money, that's kind of, you know, that's, if we could figure that out, it would be, you know, a very good right. story. That would be nice. <laughs> that would be a good story. Well, I would want you to do that. I mean, right, but, they're, right. but, they're, 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 but they're raising money too. I mean, this is an idea yeah. that they're investing in the future. What was the valuation? I forget that they, this past week or something. A Something. lot. It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. And so um, so let's talk about how reliable they are because that's really where their business. This is a very highly, this is not like delivering, well, no, social media's turn out to be weaponized too. But um, <laughs> talk about the reliability of these rockets and where we are from a technological point of view. So if you had asked me this question two years ago, mm-hmm. I would be a little iffy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they've really come around so, so the back the background on that is SpaceX suffered two really big failures. One was during a launch to the International Space Station, and uh, the rocket disintegrated during flight. And then another one happened when they were on the launch pad, and they were fueling for a um, a pre flight test, mm-hmm. and uh, the rocket exploded. Right. Uh, a fast fire. No, the SpaceX people don't like to use the word explode. It was a fast fire. All anyway. Right, it's an explosion, right? <laughs> it exploded. If you watch the video, it exploded. Um, so for a little while there, I was unsure. There was a point where if they had had another mishap, mm-hmm. I don't know if they could have recovered. Right. But um, they returned to flight after their second explosion, which was the launch pad one. Really quickly, it was only I want to say four and a half months. It was, it was very short, and that's very that, that's not industry standard. Usually, when you have an explosion, for, for example, another launch provider for NASA Orbital ATK suffered an explosion during launch as well, and it took them, I think, about one or two years to get back to normal. You know, so um, they got back together really fast, and they've been. I mean, a knock on wood, but <laughs> they've been flawless ever since. So um, I think now maybe if they had a a mishap, you know, they'd be fine. But um, they've really shown that they've come back from that failure and and they've launched quite a number of times. And not only have they been launching fine, but they've also been landing a lot of their rockets just fine too. (laughs) Right. No, you know, I just watched the other day, I was on a plane, I've been on a plane a lot lately. And Elon, I didn't realize who's on Young Sheldon. About the land. Did you see it? Did you ever no. see it? It's a show by Chuck Lorre. And at the end, this he figures out how to how to save this kid figures out how to land rockets uh, oh to gosh. save money. And at the end, Elon's reading his stuff and, and has used has created SpaceX from it. I don't know if you've seen it. But there oh he is. Gosh. There no, he is I acting saw, away. I saw his cameo on the Big Bang Theory, which I guess is related yeah, to the Young same Sean. one. Yeah, it's about, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was very funny. Um, so in terms of being reliable, what, what, are there any safety issues related to that if they're moving so quickly? Well, there's there's definitely been there was definitely a lot of concern just because you know SpaceX moves at a, a faster pace than the space mm-hmm. industry has long done. You know NASA yeah. is very meticulous when right. it comes to how they iterate. You know if you want to do a change, you have to run it by a person who runs it by a person who runs it by a person. Right. With SpaceX, you know they were making new changes every day. You know right. and they've kind of had to you know, work with NASA, like NASA is not that a big a fan of that. So they've kind of had to, 
you know, compromise in that regard. But yeah, that was definitely a criticism for a while, especially from old school engineers. Right. But now they're really being put to the test because, like I said, they're developing this new technology to take astronauts. And that is just something that, I mean, safety obviously is a concern whenever you launch a rocket. Right. But when you put people on it, you know, that's yeah. when the stakes are super high. Much higher, yeah. And, um, but NASA is holding them to, to a very, very rigorous safety standard before they can launch people. All right. And when when is that? When is that planned? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> so it was, a, they were originally supposed to be launching by 2017. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, they still have quite a few more, um, some crucial test flights that they need to do. Those are tentatively scheduled th- for this year, mm-hmm. but um, a few government accountability office reports have cast that shadow in doubt. So I believe that they probably won't fly people until next year, but they could. So what they have to do first is they have to they have to fly the spacecraft uncrewed, so with nobody on it. Mm-hmm. Then they have to do an abort test, which is basically, you know, if, if the rocket— happened. Yeah, if the rocket disintegrated in orbit like it once did, you know, could the spacecraft that's carrying the people take them to safety with a decaying rocket on their back? So they have Sounds to do like those. Sounds like a plot of a movie. That's a movie I <laughs> right. saw. That same airplane. Oh, God. It's a great place to do a rocket crash movie. Um, all right. So how involved is Elon then? Because that's, you know, this has been sort of his, he talks about it incessantly and talks about it a lot, about the idea yeah. of manned uh, things. So how, how involved is he day to day in space? Because I know it's run by uh, several other people. Um, but is he is he the principal person here or not? I mean, I, I, believe, I believe he's heavily involved. I mean, he's credited as the lead designer, you know? Right. So, um, I think I'm assuming now he might be a little more focused on Tesla, but right. it sounds like he splits his time and pretty boring. Right. Oh, and yeah. Boring company. How do you yeah, assess but Tesla the other executives? Tesla cars. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. How do you assess the other executives there? Can you give some light into them just so people who don't follow SpaceX, there are several other key executives there? Oh, for sure. I mean, the, the I wouldn't say she's unsung, but the no. one that is really kind of, I think, is super cool is uh, Gwen Shotwell. She's Gwen. the president. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, she is, you know, kind of the brick and, brick and mortar of the whole operation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then another big one up there is Hans Koenigsman. You'll see him a lot. He's the, I believe he's the fight. They change his <laughs> his title all the time, but vice president of flight reliability was, I think, the most recent one. Right. So, yeah, so those are some of the key players that you'll notice from the company. But Elon, of course, gets the lion's share of the attention, of course. (laughs) But he's quite involved because he does have his, and not just Tesla, but the boring company, too, which just got some funding also. But, I mean, you know, he's always around when, you know, big things are happening. You know, he was out there for Falcon Heavy, you know, doing, you know, the press and all that stuff. So, I mean, I think he's pretty heavily involved. And if you talk to him, if you get him started on, you know, the engineering side of things, he'll yeah. talk your ear no, off. Quite, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So um, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll keep talking about SpaceX and more after this. Lauren, you have to do something. I'm sorry to ask you to do this, but can you give me your best reading of the line, hashtag money? Sure. <laughs> hashtag money. Oh, nice. Well done. I like it a lot. Today's show is brought to you by Daily Look. 
Daily Look is an online premium personal styling service for women. From the comfort of your own home, you can build a one-on-one relationship with the industry's best personal stylist, choose your frequency for delivery, and get styled with hand-picked fashion items curated just for you. Here's how it works. All you have to do is fill out a style profile and start building a relationship with your stylist. Your stylist will handpick up to 12 quality clothes and accessories from premium brands you know, like J Brand, Rag and & Bone, and Gorgiana, as well as emerging designers for you to discover. You get the chance to preview your box before they send it out so that you can make a few changes from your selections if you want. Then they'll send you a box. You can have a try-on party at home if you so choose. Keep what you love and return those that you do not. It's completely hassle-free. You have no obligation to buy. If for some reason you don't like what you receive, you can just send it back. Shipping is free both ways. It's convenient, fun, and easy way to look your best. Get started today by going to dailylook.com slash TITA and click get started. Don't forget to use a code T-E-T-A to get $10 off your first box. That's dailylook.com slash TITA and use the offer code TITA to get styled today. Today's show is brought to you by IBM. By 2050, the world population will reach nearly 10 billion and food production will need to grow by 70%. What if artificial intelligence could help? Farmers are already using AI to help increase crop yields. Watson and the IBM Cloud provide access to weather data and analyze satellite imagery to help them monitor soil moisture levels and reduce water waste. So as the population grows, more food can be put on tables. Let's put smart to work. Find out how at ibm.com smart. We're back with Lauren Grush from The Verge, and we're talking about space. She is their space reporter. Are you officially the space reporter? <laughs> I think my official title is science reporter, but um, space is a very comprehensive beat. <laughs> yes, it's big. It's so big, I don't have much time for anything final, else. It's the final frontier. Do you, do you, have you watched all these space shows lately? There's a lot of space shows on the air. Did you watch Lost in Space? I haven't. I, I You know what, though? I have to, I hate to admit it. Sometimes I get a little over- overwhelmed with space. By space. So like when and, you watch like Game of Thrones or something like something Oh, else. for sure. I, I'm a for obsessed sure. with Game of Thrones. We can have a whole yeah. other podcast about that. But um, I'm also getting into reality TV a lot because it's so oh, no. the opposite of space. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Who? Who? Who, Lauren? I'm sorry. Don't, please still like me. You know what? I have interviewed Kim Kardashian twice, so I have nothing. No excuses. <laughs> um, but let's talk about other people in space. We're going to go back to space. Elon isn't the only one trying to go to space. Let's talk a little about Jeff Bezos and oh, others yeah. in the industry are doing. What's going on with them? Because they, you know, Jeff, I've known for a long time, has had a big interest in flight in all kinds of uh, planes and things like that. But he has his his thing. His company is one to watch for sure. Um, Blue mm-hmm. Origin is Jeff's right uh, venture, and they're definitely they're not as far along as SpaceX is obviously, but they have a really solid plan, and they are being smart about their business. So um, I think one thing that people don't understand, like the trend of the space industry these days, is all about vertical integration. So okay. beforehand, you had all these different companies that would make different parts of spacecraft, and then you would bring them all together, but that kind of slowed, you know, at least Musk and others noticed that it kind of slowed down the process. And so they they do everything themselves and that mm-hmm. streamlines things a bit. And that's similar to what Blue Origin is doing, too. They're building everything themselves all in one, you know, in vertical integrated line. And at the same time, they hope to sell some of their hardware to other customers. So a big 
thing that they're gambling on is this new engine that they're building called the BE-4. Okay, explain that. Yeah, so the BE-4 is going to power Blue Origin's new orbital rocket called the New Glenn. Um, Blue Origin has only tested their suborbital rocket, which means, you know, obviously it doesn't go into orbit around Earth, but they're hoping to use that to take tourists into space. But, you know, they really want to sell flights on their new Glenn rocket, which is going to be kind of comparable to the Falcon 9, Falcon Heavy. Um, and that's going to be powered by this new BE-4 engine. But at the same time, they don't just want to use the BE-4 to power the new Glenn. They're hoping to sell it to another rocket provider called the United Launch Alliance, which is tasked with mostly launching government satellites. Right. So what's its business? What's Blue Origin's main business? Is it this consumer play or more? Yeah. So for now, they're in pre-business, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, they— I hear Jeff Bezos is rich, so— Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have some NASA deals. Don't know if they're contracted or if they're, you know, they're just kind of working with NASA on, on some research. But they've—and they've also started signing on new customers for the new Glenn. And then they're hoping, I believe, in the next year— or two to start flying customer, like people, tourists on their new Shepard suborbital vehicles. And what are they going to do? What are people going to do? They're just going to shoot them up there and shoot them down or what? Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, so the way it works— You don't get to get off, right? No, hopefully not. Um, yeah. So the way it works is it's, it's kind of like a mini rocket. Mm-hmm. Mini, I mean, it's, you know, it's like 20, 30 stories high. But yeah. anyway— uh, no, that's not true. Don't quote me on that. I'm totally wrong. All right. So they launch on top of this rocket on a capsule that's on top of it. Mm-hmm. And they ride on to space on top of the rocket inside the capsule. And then when you get to space, the capsule and the rocket break apart. And the people basically float inside for a couple, for, for a couple of minutes. I think I think it's like four minutes. Mm-hmm. So you can have that moment of, oh, A, I'm in space. B, I'm floating, and C, I can see the curvature of the Earth, which only a couple hundred people have done. Right. And (laughs) And then then the capsule and the rocket come back down in separate pieces. The capsule lands with parachutes, Mm -hmm. and the rocket lands propulsively. So what that means is the engine reignites and lowers itself down gently. You might have seen those videos. Yeah. Um, So... Basically, it's a fully reusable vehicle, which is pretty great when it comes yeah, to saves rockets. Money. Yeah, it yeah. saves money. And they've tested they tested one vehicle a bunch of times, and it did great. They thought they were going to destroy it on one test, and it still survived. So mm-hmm. now it's. I think they've been t- they've been taking it and on the like, capsule. The capsule is fine. Mm-hmm. They've taken it on a, a road show. Kind of, they took it like they put it on display in a bunch of places. Um, so now they're testing a new vehicle, which they tested in December of last year. And so the idea is for people to go, how much does that cost? That's going to cost for people to go up there. That is the that is the golden question. I believe people are speculating in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And just to go up and float around. Okay. Yeah. But All I right. mean, wouldn't you pay that? No. Not even Oh, slightly. come on. I, I, my son just did indoor skydiving and I was mad to pay $99. So anyway, <laughs> um, so this weekend for his birthday, um, would you pay for that? Would you pay that much money to do that? You know, okay. it's so funny. I was just, I've been thinking about it all the time mm-hmm. and uh, that's a house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it was offered to me in a way that I could afford it, yes. Okay. 
What's the price that you have? Anyway, it's going to cost nothing at some point. So is there one company clearly ahead in, in these both areas in consumer? Is it is it Blue Origin or is it Elon's group or someone else? Oh, I mean, SpaceX is definitely very far along. And to be fair, you know, when we talk about all of these vehicles that are coming online, you mm-hmm. know, they've actually launched their big one, the Falcon Heavy, which they kept talking mm-hmm. about for a while, but they actually did it, you know. Is there anyone else? Is there some crazy internet Chinese billionaire or something? <laughs> well, I mean, we shouldn't also count out United Launch Alliance. They are right. uh, a venture between Boeing and Lockheed Martin, and they're very reliable. So they've been launching much longer than SpaceX has, but SpaceX just gets a lot more attention because they're much more innovative and you know, they, they're constantly trying new things like landing their rockets, you know. Mm-hmm. ULA just isn't as sexy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and yeah. they're kind of from an older version of the space industry. But they have very reliable vehicles. And like I said, they're working on a new vehicle um, that might use this Blue Origin BE-4 engine in it. Mm-hmm. And that vehicle is called Vulcan. And right. it could be kind of cool because... They want to reuse some of it, but it wouldn't entail landing the rockets like SpaceX has. They want to catch the engines of the rocket in midair. All right. <laughs> Basically, they would. I think they would deploy parachutes to slow down, and then a helicopter would come in and swoop and pick oh them up. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> okay. okay. So, but do you imagine that these are all going to make money, like lots of people want to go up? That's Presumably, it'll be a cons- either a consumer thing or a— get stuff up there, mining or whatever the heck it becomes. I think, okay, so the big question mark, is tourism going to be a profitable business? And I just don't know. You know, I, maybe, I mean, a bunch of people bought tickets on Richard Branson's space plane. Yeah, then there's Richard Branson wandering around this thing, right? No, it's all these billionaires. You know, there, there are two books that came out from my peers in the space journalism world recently that basically just focused on <laughs> the ro- the rocket billionaires, yeah. space barons and rocket yeah, billionaires. Right. Richard Branson. What's his called? Virgin, right? Virgin Galactic. Yeah, Virgin Galactic. And they also Where have an offshoot they? called Virgin Orbit, which is geared towards launching small satellites. All right. And where's that? <laughs> They're in Mojave, and then I think Virgin Orbit's in Long Beach. And how are they doing? Well, they just had their first powered flight. He was of out there. The, so. Yeah, he was. And that was a big one because it was the first time they'd ignited the engine on that type of vehicle since they had that fatal crash in 2014. So they seem to be doing well. All right, so there's going to be more of these then. There'll be several of these yeah, companies. Yeah. Oh, they're going to have to do a ton of tests before. Where does uh, NASA fit into all this? This used to be NASA's job, right? <laughs> yeah. And other government agencies. Are there any ones that are particularly continue to be aggressive or the funding is still strong in China, Russia? Um, well, okay. Countries. China is a whole other discussion. NASA is working on their own rocket, and that's called the Space Launch System. And it's supposed to be massive, but you've kind of tapped into, you know, do we need this massive rocket? And NASA's SLS is cost a fortune. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, the development of all these other vehicles, you know, they don't come, they come from investment and Bezos is putting in what, a, a billion dollars of his right. stock it's each free year. capital. It's essentially Yeah, exactly. Capital. Whereas the taxpayers have been fending NASA's SLS for however mm-hmm. long, over a decade, and it's still not here, and it's costing a ton and ton of money. Yeah, and our current president doesn't seem super interested in science. Uh, so, I mean... Yeah, no. <laughs> no, no, you don't well, have to say it, I will. Well, it's different for space, but not a lot has changed in that 
right. realm. Yeah. What about NASA, what about Russia? What about Russia? Not Russia has a lot of money problems. So yeah. they they keep making these bold proclamations that they're going to go to the moon or they're going to do all yada yada yada. But I mean, they have to get their finances under control because they. I doubt they'll be able to. Yeah, no, it. yeah. So governments aren't the way it's going to be these guys. So last question in this section, earlier this week, Elon tweeted, he's been tweeting a lot of crazy stuff lately um, yeah. about Tesla, but this was really interesting. Uh, SpaceX will try to bring, he's making jokes in a lot of ways. Yeah. He, to be fair, um, he's been making a lot of funny, well, I don't know if they're so funny to Tesla people, but Elon Musk tweeted that SpaceX will try to bring rocket upper stage back from orbital velocity using a giant party balloon what yeah. does that mean? I think he's serious, so, right? It's funny that you mentioned that because I'm looking yeah. at that right now. It's actually from a couple of replied tweets that he made. It's based in very solid science. Yeah, I thought so. I don't think party, the word party balloon probably isn't the best description. Well, he's being it. a visual. He's doing a visual. I like it. Yeah, but I'll, I'll give you a preview for my article that I'm going up. But um, okay. it's this idea of, so whenever you reenter the Earth's atmosphere, you know, you're coming in really fast and you come in yeah, really hot. hot. Yeah, I've seen them. And that's why you notice these capsules are these teardrop designs. Is because you want to spread out the heat when you're coming in right. towards the earth. And so it's kind of that idea of you want a bigger surface area. So maybe if you def- you inflated this larger structure, you could have a bigger surface area, which would right. make you slow down not as fast and— uh, it wouldn't. It, you wouldn't heat up as much, and right. that's one of the big problems when you're coming in from the atmosphere. Is you don't. You don't want to break apart. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a goal. So it is a giant party balloon. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on how you decorate it. Yeah, that's true. That would be cool. That would be really cool if you'd like put a big. I don't know what could he put on it. Anyway, you know, Happy he's, he's kidding, but he's not kidding. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I want. He's not from, kidding. I'm sure you've learned from mm-hmm. reporting on him, but I've also learned that his joke tweets are never jokes. <laughs> no, they're never jokes. They're Unless never. he's talking about Tesla tequila, but even then, oh, you never know. Tesla tequila was that it? Tesla tequila. Yeah. yeah, he's he's screwing with all of us, which is I think he enjoys, especially yeah. the press. He should enjoy it. He should he should do that. I like when he does that. We're going to take another quick break for a word from our sponsors. We'll be back with Lauren Grush from The Verge. We're talking about. Space. Lauren, once more with feeling, can you give me your best reading of the line, hashtag money, please? Hashtag money. Oh, I like that one. That's really good. Today's show is brought to you by Magic. No, really, that's the name of the company sponsoring this. We have tasks that need to get done, but we wish someone we could just pass them off to someone else. That's where Magic comes in. These are 24-7 trained personal assistants at your beck and call. Just send Magic a text message with your request and a real person gets to work. Magic's assistants can help you with virtually anything. They can research and book travel arrangements, deal with the cable company, hire a plumber, plan an event, schedule doctor's appointments, and so much more. With Magic, there's no monthly fees and no commitments. You pay only for what you use. That's a low cost per minute. Use Magic as often as you need it. Lauren, what would you have a personal assistant do for you? Do anything? Oh my God, respond to all of my emails. Hmm, interesting. That's very, you're letting <laughs> them into email. you. You hate <laughs> me too. I don't respond anymore. Try I, that. That's my problem. And then then my problem is I end up not responding to people that need to respond. Oh, that's true. It doesn't actually matter. Shh, don't tell anyone. Anyway, Magic wants to help our listeners get more done, so they have a special offer. If you're a too embarrassed to ask listener, your first request is free. To get this offer, go to getmagic.com slash T-E-T-A. So make it a good one. Start crossing things off your to-do list today. Try Magic for free. Go to getmagic.com slash 
Tita. That's getmagic.com slash T-E-T-A. Today's show is also brought to you by Namely. When was the last time you checked your pay stub or picked benefits at work? Chances are it wasn't easy. HR software has been clunky and hard to use ever since HR has been a thing. One technology company takes a different approach. Namely is the only all-in-one HR, payroll, and benefits software employees love to use. Ready to clock in? No problem. Need to write a performance review? You can do that. Want to schedule some vacation time? Namely makes easy to do, even from your phone. Namely also uses social news feeds like Facebook, where employees can share updates, celebrate birthdays, and give shout-outs for a job well done. Namely doesn't just make work easier, it actually makes it a little more fun, too. Over 1,000 companies use Namely every day. If you're in HR or run your business, it's time to see Namely in action. Get a free demo by visiting namely.com slash decode. One more time, that's namely.com slash decode. See how you can build a better workplace with Namely. And we're back with Lauren Grush from The Verge talking about space. I've got some more questions for her, but first we've got a couple questions from one of our listeners, Liz Weeks. What's the difference between SpaceX and other commercial spaceflight endeavors? Is Elon more into colonization? Is anyone interested in scaling so that normal folks can go into space? Why would I go into space besides novelty? She has a lot of questions. Oh my God, that's a lot. Where should I begin? Colonization. Yeah, he thinks we're all going to die, I think. That's very clear. He he definitely, yeah. the goal, he set up SpaceX with the goal of putting people on other planets. So um, I don't know that, I don't believe that um, that goal is the same for many other companies. No. Yeah, he does. He wants to have people there. What did he say to me? He wants to, he said it a lot after that was he wants to, he wants to die on Mars, just not on landing, right? He wants to yeah. stay there. All right, so colonization for Elon. Um, so how do you get to a scale where normal folks can go into space, where it is inexpensive, relatively inexpensive, like going uh, to Disneyland or something? Oh, gosh. I mean, going to space is mm-hmm. is all about lowering the cost of access to space. Mm-hmm. So, And that's what Elon has been trying to do with SpaceX. It's to provide relatively cheap rides to space. So once you lower that, then that becomes more of a reality. And then, of course, it's also about lowering the, you know, keeping people alive in space. (laughs) Uh The biggest prohibitive cost so far has been rocket launches. I mean, they, up until now, your typical rocket launch has been, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. And, you know, SpaceX offers up the Falcon 9 starting at $62 million. So that's relatively inexpensive. It's pretty inexpensive, yeah, um, in, in, in the big, field, no. for sure. Yeah, but still a big number, so you have to put up a lot of people um, at once, so it has to come down rather considerably. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what Elon said for the cost of what the BFR is, which is their big Mars rocket. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I Like I said, looking into how all of these finances work and how they're going to be able to make a Mar- Mars mission cheap, I just don't. I don't see that happening for quite some time. Yeah, me too. Because yeah. of all of the infrastructure that's needed to you also keep have the to people have stuff alive when you get yeah. there, right? You can't just like arrive and be like, "Hey, what now?" Yeah, you got to like get back, can, presumably. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe you he don't can get make back. the the rockets cheap, but you don't really come back, right? You don't come back. You stay. 
I mean, I don't even know if you make it. <laughs> yeah, but if you make it, you don't come back. Um, you really, unless you're Sandra Bullock in some weird-ass movie where she gets to come back, which just was utterly right. unbelievable. Yeah, it still exactly. bugs my kids, that movie, I have to say. They just don't believe that could happen. Anyway, um, our reader, Todd Herberlein, wants to know, are there any legal restrictions for creating a cemetery on the moon? He says it would be a good initial business market for the moon because the cemetery could probably outlast humanity. You don't need money after you're dead anyways. Um, oh. I don't know why you'd want to do a cemetery. But yeah, that's like, such I would a think a garbage dump would be better, specific right? Specific question. A garbage dump, right? Or, um, or put, put all our dirty stuff there, all our dirty chemicals. I don't believe... Okay, so the biggest legal restriction you would have is some. it, it falls under the purview of the uh, Outer Space Treaty, which is a document that we have signed along with uh, a bunch of other countries about, you know, how... You explore other planetary bodies. Yeah. And there's something called planetary protection where you don't want to contaminate other worlds with your germs because right. then it would be harder for us to know if we found life because what if you just brought a bug from yeah. Earth? Yeah. At the same time, you don't want to bring back some kind of alien bug, bug right. and contaminate the world with some alien virus. Yeah. With the moon, though. The moon's just uh, like a rock, right? Is there the moon is deemed, there's it's a certain class of planetary body where it's basically considered dead. So yeah, you don't really. On there. Yeah, nothing's going to survive out there. So I don't believe there is any legal restrictions. However, I don't think the State Department would think that's a good yeah, use bring of in all the moon. Bodies. Todd, that's strange. I mean, yeah. I could have a lot of other things you can bring to <laughs> yeah, the moon. Yeah, Todd. Uh, Todd the hell, Todd? Dead people. How about our, like, real dirty chemicals? That's what I say. We put there and put them, throw, shove them down a hole, and then someone will come and get us. Some oh monster. God. All right, Steve Hamill asks, uh, why did they decide to build the BFR in L.A. when they could have built it anywhere on the Gulf Coast and avoid a long Panama Canal trip? Oh, that's a good question. It's a very highly technical question. Why did they do good that? Good question. I think quite possibly it's because it's right next door to their current headquarters. <laughs> yeah. And also, I believe they picked um, Hawthorne, which is where their your headquarters are, because, yep. you know, probably provided good incentives for them to build there. So, right. People, um, the technology people are there. So, yeah, I think it probably would have meant splitting a big workforce to put it in Florida or wherever else, you know? That's where they do most of the takeoffs from, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're there also anywhere building— else they yeah, they're they building a spot us. in the south of Texas. So right. those Panama Canal trips might not be so long. Right. And then what about doing one in California? Is that any a possibility? Probably not. It depends on where you're going. Yeah. So that's a good question, actually, because they want to go to the Mars. They want to go to Mars and the moon with this thing. Mm -hmm. So if there's a an orbital trajectory that takes them um, south instead of because they you're supposed yeah. to fly over water on, in the U.S., mm -hmm. then they could launch out of Vandenberg, but they'd have to modify the pad to fit such a big vehicle. So perhaps right. that's the thing. They could launch in other areas, um, maybe in California, and just build their own launch pad. They're going to have to figure out where they're going to launch from, basically, because right. there's nothing right. big enough to support <laughs> so, yeah, the right. BFR just yet. Yeah. So for yeah. now, it's Florida people. 
Florida people. So, I, yeah, I wouldn't worry about where they're launching from when it comes to building the rocket. The they'll get place. the rockets there. They'll yeah, get they'll move it'll, them. it'll get to where it needs to go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, the post office will do it under Donald Trump, apparently. <laughs> right. Amazon's not enough. Can you imagine? Elon's taking us. It's a dollar. It's $1.2 billion to move it versus dollar forty. They said dollar forty six. Whatever. Anyway, um, it's interesting. It'll get real mad if Jeff Bezos starts using the post office to mail rockets. You yeah. Know, get real pissed. I mean, like, you'll get a tweet for that. Get a big old tweet. <laughs> Jeff Bezos is using the post office to mail his rockets. Yeah. Does he? I wonder if he even knows that Jeff Bezos has this rocket venture. Now he has a couple of Pulitzer Prizes, too. <laughs> You're not going to stop Jeff Bezos. Sorry, Trump, you're not going to do it. Um, so the long term, so I'm going to finish up by asking about like the Mars thing, because that's really the, the thing is this, the peoples. This is where we're going next is people in space, correct? The pe- Getting people into space. For commercial companies, yeah, we're, we're entering that realm. Delivering of satellites and science stuff has been going on. I, you know, Yuri Milner does it. That's going to be ongoing, this idea of searching space for aliens and things like that. But the idea is to get people out there, right? Pretty much, yeah. that's the next. The, next, the next step goal. that's always been on the horizon, I guess, has been this suborbital tourism. Mm-hmm. That's probably going to happen. Well, first, what might happen is SpaceX and Boeing, who are developing this capability to send astronauts to the International Space Station. You know, that's coming online soon. That's not something that they're going to be selling to the general public, though. You know, that's for NASA, right? Space tourism is. Almost here, she said tentatively, because it's always been almost here. But right. it could Give be. A date. Bezos's Blue Origin is looking promising. For sure. promising. And and Virgin Galactic did come back. I mean, mm-hmm. they still have a lot of work to do, but right. There's promise. In terms of much more ambitious flights than Mars. that. Yeah. Whenever Elon says we're going to Mars in 2024 or whatever. Yeah. I just kind of roll my eyes. Because <laughs> going to Mars, you just, you have to think about the Everything. intense amount of work that is going to be needed. It's going to be an international effort. Mm-hmm. You know, multiple space companies are going to have to be involved. It's not going right. to be just SpaceX. Yep. NASA is going to be involved. You know, it's going to have, have government. You have to the government interested in it. It's not. Right. It's not, and the not. government interest isn't quite there because. It's not there at all. Nobody really wants to go to Mars. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Everyone wants to go to the moon, at least in the international right. community, which is right. why the Trump administration dialed back and is now going to the moon because of geopolitical interests. Right. So I think the moon is definitely much closer on the horizon than Mars. Right. So you just go walk around and come back, right, in that one? <laughs> is that right? That's correct? Well, that's the the goal now is to not do ball. that. The goal is to to put houses and you know a base up there so that we really? can have a permanent presence, and then the idea is to use that as a jumping off point to go to Mars. I see. All right. Well, it'll be a long time, correct? It'll be a very long time. But so Moon first, then Mars. Yeah. Right? That, right, I mean, that's on. the goal for now. But you know, we could get a new president in a couple of years, and yeah. it all changes again. 
Yeah. I don't know. We got some things on this earth we got to fix, I think. Anyway, I'm one of those people. I'm one of those grumpy people. But this is very exciting. Yes, I am. I'm sorry. I never wanted to get in a space vehicle my whole life, although I do enjoy a good Star Trek. uh, Our our government does not fund NASA that much. So (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't fund anything that much anymore. Anyway, so I appreciate, Lauren. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. And we look forward to your story about the giant party balloon um, coming. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I'm excited about it, too. Anyway, thanks for joining me. We want to hear what you thought of the show. Please tweet us with the hashtag Too Embarrassed and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or you can email us at TooEmbarrassed at Recode.net. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or you can listen to every episode on Recode.net slash podcasts. Now that you're done with this, you can check out our other shows, Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. If you have questions about any tech topic or latest tech news, tweet them to at Recode with the hashtag TooEmbarrassed or email them to TooEmbarrassed at Recode.net. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our sponsors and to Cadence 13 and Vox Media, which sell those ads so you can listen to this show for free. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back next week to answer more of the questions you've been too embarrassed to ask, so tune in then. Today's show is brought to you by IBM. By 2050, the world population will reach nearly 10 billion, and food production will need to grow by 70%. Farmers are working with IBM and Watson to help increase their crop yields. Let's put smart to work. Find out how at ibm.com smart.